Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I've generally been a fan of the Pulitzer Prizes throughout my life, but uh, over time, they have gotten more political. I mean, you, you can go way back in the day for Pulitzer Prizes, and they, they would give awards to um, all kinds of different uh, authors and, and, and writings and this and that. But they, have, uh, they like the Nobel Prize, uh, similar to a, a lot of other awards, have gone way, way, way trying to send a message. And right. this week, they announced the Pulitzer Prize... For the 1619 Project, that was that thing they did in the New York Times where they made the argument that the United States is founded on slavery and we're shot through and through with racism from the very founding. Right, and that's the great animating force in American history. Uh, Tim Sandifer, Tim the Lawyer, a longtime uh, fan favorite and host favorite here on the Armstrong and Getty Show, uh, joins us to discuss the, the uh, 1619 Project and its flaws and the silliness of the uh, Pulitzer Prize. Tim is the Vice President for Litigation for the Goldwater Institute. Hey, Tim, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Jack seems particularly concerned about the state of your beard. How is it? It's uh, untrimmed, I'm, a, I'm afraid to say. I've taken the excuse of not going to the office to uh, start becoming a mountain man. So, Tim, Tim the lawyer, and your beard joins us today. It's fantastic to have you both with us. Um, uh, before we get into this, what was the quote you hit we, me with the other day when we were texting about institutions and how they, they move leftward over time? Because that's clearly happened yeah. with the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, it certainly has. The, the famous uh, Soviet expert Robert Conquest said that uh, any organization that is not explicitly right-wing will become left-wing over time. Is there a reason why that's, then that seems to happen? Is there a reason why that happens? 
Uh, I've got a couple theories. One of them is I think that left-wing folks just really like the idea of bureaucracy. Uh, it, it really appeals to them, and so they tend to be attracted toward a bureaucracy, whereas people who are more oriented toward economic productivity, they tend to, to try and weed out inefficiencies, and they, they don't like bureaucracy mm-hmm. very much. And so any kind of an organization, I think, gradually tends to attract the kind of personalities that don't produce a lot but really like to sit around and have meetings. And that tends to be a left-wing <laughs> That's a pretty good theory right there. Well, well, right, yeah, obviously, by the nature of people who like or dislike bureaucracies and like or dislike being in them, it's going to go further and further left. I get that. But so could you restate, like we're in a debate, state your opponent's you know, argument for them. What was the thesis of the 1619 Project before you start to uh, tear it apart? Yeah, well, there's a number of them because the 69 Project consists of a large number of articles by different right. writers. But the, the overall point of view is to try and say that America was deep, is, is essentially founded on slavery and anti-black racism, specifically anti-black racism. The, the articles don't really talk any, at all, really, about other forms of racism, such as the anti-Chinese racism in California in the 19th century, which really needs to be talked about. So it's kind of shocking, the, the, the blinders in that respect. But it consisted of a number of articles, some of which make you know very good, valid points about how black history, unfortunately, is really not very well known to a lot of, uh, of white Americans, that the, the influence that it's had on American democracy has sometimes been ignored by historians over time, things like that. really valuable points that they make. Unfortunately, the articles also make the really ludicrous and completely false claim that America is fundamentally premised on slavery, that the Constitution was written to protect slavery, and it ignores things like, you know, the countless white abolitionists or black abolitionists who believe that the Constitution was an anti-slavery document even before the Civil War. And, And those kinds of ideological blind spots are a real problem. But to me, uh, what I think is really most objectionable has been how the authors have dealt with criticism that came out after it was published. There have been a lot of historians who have criticized the project and, and pointed out its flaws. And rather than address those head on, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who won the, the prize uh, this week, her, her response has been rather than to engage them just simply to say, well, the only reason you're criticizing me is because you're white or the only reason you're criticizing me is because I'm black and refuse to address the salient points and arguments that historians have made against her position. That, to my mind, should have been a veto on on the idea of giving her any kind of an award. That is so of the modern school of of thought or non-thought, where identity is is proof of, of, of opinion, as opposed to, you know, rigorous examination. She is saying exactly what the Academy would have her say, Tim. Uh, this is my truth. How dare you? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's been it's, her behavior has really been quite disgraceful. There's the, there are some really good arguments that have been made against the project. Particularly, one I would recommend to people who are interested in this is a guy named Phil Magnus M A G N E S S. He he just published a, a book of his critiques of the 1619 project that are really quite solid, but. Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones has refused to address the points that Magnus has made, has simply said, well, the only reason you're saying this is because you're white. And and so even though most of the authors who participated in the 1619 Project are themselves white, uh, it's really a shame that the Pulitzer Prizes, which once really had credibility, 
have instead decided to become so ideological as to give an award to somebody who who really does not comply with the rules that have been established for, for coming up with the truth. You know, fair and open argument that addresses the merit. I have what I think is a well-founded fear that the 1619 Project is going to find its way into my kids' schooling at some level. Oh, it's already happening in some places. In New York, there have been some schools that have adopted the 1619 Project as part of the, the school curriculum. And what that means is that school, students are being taught that America as an idea is essentially against black people. Now, if you're a black student, you can imagine if, if you were a black student, what you would think if that's the message you're being taught in the classroom. But if you're a white student also, imagine what that, imagine how that affects your image of what America is or should be. And this is not something that can be laughed at or scorned. Quite the contrary, that people's idea of what America is all about has been one of the most important motivating factors in this country's progress throughout its history. And the idea that American ideals are rooted in equality and liberty is, you know, that's one reason why Martin Luther King succeeded so well at his project was because he appealed to those values. But now you come along with something that is essentially this nihilistic stew of hatred for the principles on which this country was based, or rather just a shrug at them to say that, oh, no, when the founding fathers said all men are created equal, they didn't really mean it. With no evidence to support that argument, really. Uh, When, in fact, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. Of course, absolutely. And and it it just I think it's a real threat to the long term prospects of this country if that's the the view people take of what our institutions are about. I have absolutely no objection. I don't think anybody has an objection to talking about black history, about the evils of slavery, about the the showdowns over its legacy that we had in the 1960s. All those sorts of things are important lessons that everybody is interested in hearing about. But the 69 project goes too far and and takes a takes a different direction when it says no no america was always about hating black people that's that's just yeah t- tim and i were conversing the other day about how great it is that the reconstruction era or the the era between the civil war and the civil rights movement which has just kind of been left out of my my entire um uh, 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 s- s- all my schooling mm-hmm. you, you left from the civil war to the civil rights and not the 100 years in between that were so awful for so many black people in America. Oh, it's great that that is like become a hot property for here, people here. to write about and talk about. I'm all for that. But yeah. as you were just saying, Tim, this if we if the next generation decides either we are a racist country or 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 a bad country, and clearly the the next century is going to be a battle between the United States and China for the soul of the world. It would really be a tragedy to have the country that currently has millions of slaves and is actually racist end up winning the ideological war because we feel so bad about ourselves. That And ideological war is exactly the term for it, because what, one reason that motivates the, the uh, Nicole Jones and the other 1619 authors is an attempt to try and portray capitalism as inherently allied with slavery, as being basically made out of the same mold, which is absurd. I mean, historically, it's ridiculous. It's exactly the opposite of that. In fact, pro-slavery thinking in the 19th century is the source 
of anti-capitalist thinking today. That's If you read the writings of the defenders of slavery in the 1850s and 1860s, they were making the same arguments against capitalism that are being made by capitali- by the enemies of capitalism today. That is, that it was rooted in greed, that uh, and alienation, and uh, filthy lucre, and that what we needed instead was a social system that would take care of everybody and protect everybody. And, you know, who needs freedom after all? What we need is, is hierarchy and control and safety. And that, that was the pro-slavery argument now, just like it's the anti-capitalist argument today. So in order to obscure that fact and to, and to try and make the opposite argument and to try to portray capitalism as bad, the ideological left has tried to smear it with capitalism, and that is one of the things that, I'm sorry, smear capitalism with slavery. And that's one of the things that the 1619 Project has has really aimed at. And that's really a shame. It deserves criticism, and those critiques should be fairly addressed rather than just shrugged off in the way that these authors have done. You know, it's interesting that even the New York Times itself has backed away from the claims of the 1619 Project. I don't know if you remember this. But a couple months ago, the, the New York Times actually added a, an addendum to these articles that retreated from its language. That means it, this must be the first time the Pulitzer Prize has ever been awarded to an article that has, in one sense or another, been retracted by the newspaper before the award was given. It's wow. quite astonishing. <laughs> wow. Hey, in the time we have left, Tim, Tim Sandifer from the Goldwater Institute is on the line. Um, is there a specific historical um, uh, twist in the 1619 Project you'd like to untwist, whether it be that the primary motivation of having the revolution was to preserve slavery or some of the ridiculous stuff that's said about Lincoln and his relationship with, say, Frederick Douglass. Uh, anything in particular uh, got your, uh, your, your knickers in a twist? Well, you know, Douglas is basically ignored by these 1619 Project articles. Yeah, you know, to me, the number one issue, the central point, is the claim that the Constitution was a pro-slavery document. And that is a, a, a historical falsehood that ignores people like Douglas who argued to the opposite. No, the Constitution is a freedom document. The Constitution doesn't even use the word slave or slavery in it. And to argue that it was a pro-slavery document is to agree with Judge Taney in the infamous Dred Scott opinion. That's what Dred Scott says. It says the Constitution is a pro-slavery document. If you agree with the 1619 Project perspective that the Constitution is pro-slavery, then you are saying that Taney was correct in Dred Scott to say that the Constitution does not acknowledge black people as human beings with natural rights. And that is completely incorrect. That's completely false. Douglas and other anti-slavery advocates said, no, the Constitution is a pro-freedom document that is, in its philosophical essence, it was anti-slavery, and that gave the federal government power to restrict or eliminate slavery if politicians had the guts to do that. And, of course, unfortunately, it took until the 1860s before politicians did have the guts to, to take a step. So to me, that's really the essential error in the in the articles now phil magnus in his book he gets into some of the other critiques but in the articles that i've written on the subject i've tried to emphasize that that this constitution was not a pro-slavery document it was written by people who knew slavery was evil and they just thought that it would go away they thought people would come to their senses and that economics would render slavery unnecessary 
Unfortunately, they were wrong, which is why we saw we had a showdown in the 1860s about it. Tim Sandifer, uh, Tim, it's always uh, a pleasure and enlightening. We thank you for uh, speaking your truth. Boy, I hate that that phrase. And I his beard's that. truth, <laughs> right? And in your beard, it, it sounds so stupid. How do people stand to talk in that SJW jargon? I just don't get it. <laughs> well, you have to be surrounded by uh, your fellow, your co-religionists. People who are spouting yeah. the same nonsense. Otherwise, it sounds like nonsense. It's a cult. You're right. It really is a, it really is a religious cult. That's exactly right. Tim Sandifer, the vice president for lit- litigation for the Goldwater Institute. Tim, uh, best to the lovely Mrs. Sandifer, and we will talk soon. All right. And we absolutely have to have Tim on again because he's one of the great libertarian uh, thinkers and writers in America, honestly, and to not talk about the government's role in closing down all these businesses and everything like that during this time because it's extraordinary. we got to talk to him about that sometime. Here, here. Uh, that'd be Love really that interesting. Idea. Armstrong and Getty. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.